0: Hey Sexy Boots, welcome to Greater, Greater Town. <laughs>
1: hey Maniacs!
0: Hey Maniacs!
1: It's Midsummer
0: Maniac. Midsummer Maniacs is a recap podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week, we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. I'm Mark.
1: And I'm Sarah.
0: So. <laughs>
1: we catch ourselves constantly saying so. Mark even has a note at the top of every page of his notes that says, Stop saying so.
0: And there are four exclamation marks. <laughs> Now you're never going to not hear it. Never. Just a little warning off the top. If your kids are too young to get uh, stuck in concrete, then they're probably too young to listen to the podcast.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: It's pretty tame. That's feel.
1: such a bad thing to do to a truck. I bad for the truck. It's a nice truck.
0: I want to know if she leveled it, like with a...
1: Like a, a little l- trowel, little smoothed trowel. It out on top. Yeah. So you, you have a good week? You doing okay?
0: I hope you're all doing okay. We're uh, getting to the end of this year pandemic, slowly but surely. But the end is in sight.
1: I had a delightful surprise today.
0: What did you have a surprise?
1: Well, it's Easter candy season. Yes. And you know me, I like the peeps. You do like the peeps. But I like the peeps a very certain way. You like stale peeps. I do.
0: <laughs> if, uh, okay, so for UK people... Peeps are these
1: marshmallow birds. Birds. They're little blobs of marshmallow coated in sugar, and I buy them and I immediately cut the plastic open and then put them up in the cabinet so that they get stale. <laughs> and I've been waiting for them to be stale, just just stale enough. And today they are ripe. They are perfect. <laughs>
0: yep. They're an Easter thing here. In- in the U.S.,
1: and I know I'm we a- don't
0: have them in Canada either. They're strange.
1: I just like marshmallows. Period. I like yes. to make marshmallows. I like to eat marshmallows, but. Peeps are the only, I just, I like them stale. And I found two, well, I didn't find both of them. I found one really great podcast that I didn't know about until this week. And the other one I had been following for a while, but not listening to very often. And this week I started listening to it. So uh, these are podcasts that our listeners might like.
0: Okay. There's one
1: called Loremen, L-O-R-E-M-E-N. Two British guys who do a comedic send up of some arcane... Lore, fable, yep. folklore thing from somewhere around the UK. They're so funny, really, really funny. And the other one is called She Done It, all one word, like who done it, but it's called She Done It. Oh, okay. And um, it's a podcast all about the golden age of mystery. So we're talking Dorothy Sayers and Agatha Christie and um, oh, uh, Dixon and Oh yeah, that that whole inter between the World War era. But the girl who does it, and I should have noted her name down. She is super knowledgeable and so thoughtful, and just makes me realize that I thought I knew a ton about Agatha Christie and Dorothy Sayers and all those writers, and I just don't.
0: Well, we'll put, I learn
1: we'll something every time.
0: Links. We'll put links to both of those in the show notes. We'll also put a link to Detours, which is a podcast, if you haven't listened to it, for the Antiques Roadshow, which is fantastic.
1: Yeah, they're like uh, stories about the people who do the research on the items that are on the show. And so they're not not stories about the filming or anything like that. They're like behind-the-scenes stories, and they're really good.
0: And then this week... Actually, the first season of Detours is over, but it showed up in my podcast feed because they have a new podcast from the Masterpiece Theater people. Mm-hmm. The Masterpiece podcast is called Masterpiece Studio, and they do—they usually do like interviews with people who are in the shows that are currently in Masterpiece, right? Mm-hmm. And that includes Mystery as well. Yeah. And uh, the first episode's really good. You you learn how much Exxon had to do with the beginnings of Masterpiece Theatre. But then the second episode, which I haven't got to yet, is all about mystery.
1: Are they going to talk about Edward Gorey? I would assume. Doing the illustrations, the I animation would, for the front.
0: They said that it was Edward Gorey inspired that he didn't actually do it.
1: Oh, if he didn't have anything to do with it, they owed him some money. Yeah, they needed to sue him. So <laughs> No, he needed to sue them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then the reason why that's relevant to what we're talking about is for a lot of Americans, that's how Midsummer
1: was firstly. Yeah, they saw it on Masterpiece Mystery for the first time. Yeah. I think that's where I saw it the first time.
0: They really started with Morse. That was really their big first
1: one. Yeah, their first big ITV mystery show. Oh, fun stuff. Smithsonian Uh, Institute has a good one, too. If you you like detours, you'll like Side Door. It's called Side Door, and it's from the Smithsonian, and it's like... The mystery of this little object that they found in the storeroom that nobody's ever looked at. It's so fun.
0: Absolutely. Uh
1: I need all of the mental detours I can get right now.
0: Also, the the folks in the UK are finally going to get the last two episodes of season 21.
1: And then as an apology, I guess, they get the first two episodes of the next season before we do?
0: This Sunday night, they're showing Sting of Death. And I think the next Sunday night, they're doing Bated Breath. Those two ep- episodes we've seen before. Yeah. And they are the subject of mini episodes three and four, which are spoiler free. Yeah. So you can go listen to those before you watch the episode. If you want to watch it like a episode. maniac,
1: yep. listen to those mini episodes first. Yeah, And it will give you a whole different view of the episode.
0: <laughs> and then two episodes that we haven't seen, and I don't know when we're going to see them. Mm-hmm which is the wolf hunter of little worthy oh which sounds interesting and then the stitcher Society
1: those both sound good
0: yeah so those will be what are season 22 to us mm-hmm. the first two episodes of season 22 so that means that we officially know those two names of those episodes we know some of the people in them there's been but don't go
1: telling them. us about them no <laughs> when you get to see them <laughs> And we can all take a little breath of relief because Midsummer was one of the shows in the UK that got some government funding to ensure that they would be able to continue to film. And so we know that season 23 is actually going to happen.
0: There's been all this weird scuttlebutt about whether a John Barnaby is going to leave or whatever. You know, he'll leave when he wants to leave.
1: That's just, you know the sun it sells to newspapers clickbait. It, it, clickbait
0: it gives you a reason to write a story about so that midsummer comes back in the news
1: at least three times a week i see a brand new news story about why john nettles left midsummer yeah and it's the very same information it, over and over absolutely
0: again. well we we did that episode where we totally played those
1: newspapers <laughs> About Joyce being the killer. Yeah. They swallow that hook, line, and sinker. Hook,
0: line, and sinker. Ah. So.
1: Okay. But this week we have episode. the penultimate Tom Barnaby episode.
0: Penultimate. Uh,
1: not in my backyard. Not in my backyard. Nimby. Mm-hmm. Nimby. <laughs> FOMO Nimby. LOL. <laughs> Season 13, episode 7.
0: Episode 80. I went back and today I was listening to some very old episodes of ours because I wanted to hear when we started using the new microphones to Mm -hmm. see if there was a difference and there was quite a difference. But we we surprisingly got these microphones early on. Yeah. Like I was surprised how early we got these microphones.
1: Because we knew from the beginning this was going to be big. And then I remember, like, like, episode seven talks,
0: like, we spend 10 minutes talking about it. I can't believe it. people are actually listening to us and how far we've come. And we've done seven whole episodes. I'm like, dude,
1: we're on 80 now. Oh, we didn't know what was coming. Yep. <laughs> and now we've got some jerk on eBay selling Socko Fox mugs. Oh, yeah, okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> if you're... If you're looking for prime Midsummer Maniacs merchandise, our sore is in every piece of social media we send out, yes. okay? Don't be going on eBay buying Sockle Fox mugs. Who I can't believe jerk.
1: anybody would do that. And they're more expensive than they yeah. are from Spreadshirt, where we sell them. And they, the money doesn't go to charity. No, but you, your, know you know you've know, you made it. Get your hands off our Sockle of
0: Fox mugs. <laughs>
1: You know you're really prime time when some eBay scammer is stealing your merch. <laughs> Could
0: not believe that when I saw it.
1: Sockle Fox is awfully cute. I
0: sent him a stern note.
1: Oh, I bet he really cares.
0: No. He no, did
1: not at not all.
0: Responded at all.
1: Uh, Sorry. you know who else doesn't care? Who? The Midsummer Conservation Society. Okay, okay. So
0: this episode is 80. Not in my backyard filmed in May and June 2010 broadcast the 12th of January 2011 6.93 million viewers directed by Peter Smith and written by J C Wilshire
1: This is back to classic midsummer Oh this is uh, We had a couple episodes where we were like oh, this is uncomfortable or or oh, the plot is bad This but- is
0: town politics yep. village councils people dying in crazy ways <laughs> Yes like, this is
1: classic. Yep,
0: This absolutely. is what we come
1: for right here. Yep. Elderberry cordial, elderflower cordial.
0: I got to tell you, I easily spent 40 minutes on the first 20 seconds oh, of Oh, you episode. were
1: reading the garden tour <laughs> pamphlet in Joyce's hands, weren't you? So we start
0: with the Barnabys going to the Midsummer Open House and Garden Day. Yeah. Brought to you by the Midsummer Horticultural Society. And they have a couple of, they have 10 places to stop. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of normal ones like Rye Hall, where the Staffords live, and Fendel Drive, where the Webbs live, and Thornhill Cottage, which is in Midsummer Parva, something in Newton. Uh a place in Midsummer Wallow called Th- Threadneedle Street, which
1: I thought was kind of a neat name. There are many Threadneedle Streets.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Swanscombe is the house that matters for this episode, but did you notice the first two houses? Mm-mm. The first one is Rose Cottage.
1: Oh.
0: Do you know where Rose Cottage? Badger's is? Drift. Okay. Rose Cottage has moved. <laughs> Rose Cottage has moved. It was in Morton Fendel, not in Badger's Oh, okay. It's where the guy who gets killed and faithful to death lives. Okay. But now it's in Midsummer Warren.
1: So you think they put it on the back of a big truck and beep, beep, beep all the way over? It's not the
0: guy who died. Sorry. It's not the guy. Faithful unto death is Thursday. Mm hmm. So that's Thursday's house beside Bunny and the.
1: Oh, he's the one who buries the shepherd's pie in the backyard. Yes.
0: Well, Mr. and Mrs. Gordon must have bought that cottage and moved it because now it's in Midsummer Warren.
1: So, now do you
0: remember? There was
1: a thread on the subreddit this week about people shouting Midsummer lingo at people and, you know, whether or not the person, the other person, understood Midsummer. Radhurst! And if you yell, Bin Man, if they don't get it, okay? Yeah. And, and from now on, when. When we talk about stuff like it's the guy who buried the shepherd's pie who lived next to bunny cakes. That is a bin man moment right yes. there. Because if you watch Midsummer, you know exactly what we're that, talking about. We got if no- you don't, we sound like we're on crack.
0: We got a note on Instagram that said, oh, yeah, that's the guy, the tits in the tree guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Only us would get that note. <laughs>
1: The guy who ran the spooky tours is also tits in a tree. Yes. This you're right. The only
0: special language that we
1: <laughs> talk. That's bin man talk. That's so, what I'm gonna call it for now on. Faithful
0: unto death. Rat Arse Thursday. Yes. What is he doing?
1: He's he's embezzling money.
0: For what project?
1: Uh, the the pottery center at the old mill.
0: Which is the number two
1: stop. Oh, <laughs> I guess it was successful after all. <laughs>
0: uh, Mrs. Duncan Bridges now owns the old mill, but it has also moved from Morton Fendel to Midsummer Warren.
1: <laughs> Maybe Midsummer Warren just absorbed Morton Fendel. Possibly. Maybe I, it engulfed it.
0: I, I, I thought they missed an incredible opportunity there to fill that flyer full of in-jokes.
1: Well, there's an in joke in the name of this village. It's Great Pelf, yes, which we've never heard of before until <laughs> now. Never. Do you know what Pelf means? No. What P L F E? No. Pelf is a 16th century term for money or riches that are viewed as being a corrupting influence. Oh. So the fact that it's great pelf and it's all about people paying bribes and blackmail. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, they may as well just call it Embezzletown. It's Greater Embezzletown.
0: Greater Embezzletown. Hey, sexy boots. Welcome to Greater Greater Embezzletown.
1: Embezzletown. (laughs) Okay. So when you saw... Fiona, yeah, Fiona Conway. She's the older woman who owns the the big house, right? She's kind of the hippie type, but she's at the the little open garden day. Yeah. When you saw her the first time, did you have a a reaction to her?
0: I was like, "What is she in this episode again?"
1: Oh, see, I immediately hated her. Like, like hiss. At the TV hated her and I couldn't figure out why, like she doesn't seem like an evil character from right off the bat. She doesn't do anything bad. She's actually kind of quiet and sort of hiding um, at the party. And then I realized it's because she's in Jekyll oh that's right remember Jekyll with James Nesbitt she plays the most it's so it's Linda Marlowe she plays the most reprehensible horrible sadistic human being in Jekyll and that's immediately the the character that came to my mind when I saw her
0: if you haven't seen Jekyll it's a BBC show and it stars...
1: James Nesbitt. James
0: Nesbitt. Yeah. It is the best retelling of Jekyll and, of Hyde. Jekyll and Hyde there is. James Nesbitt is fantastic. It's
1: I don't know how he swaps his face.
0: one season or two. I don't remember. I think it's either one season or two, but then it just ends. Yeah. And you are screaming at your
1: television. But it's so worth watching. Oh, yeah. Just to see the plastic that is James Nesbitt's face. The, the I ending, don't know
0: how he does it. The ending is... Jaw-dropping. I'm still stunned by that ending.
1: But after you watch it, you'll see Linda Marlowe playing Fiona in this episode and go, I hate you, you old hippie. You're so (laughs) evil.
0: She's drinking her elderflower cordial. (laughs) I have in my notes, oh, look, it's an argument about local stuff.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because Maureen Stubbs and, and her lackey, Angela Lawrence come up and confront Swanscomb and Clifford Bunting about their, oh, what do they call it? Their bent jerry building. Bent jerry building. Man, Maureen is on. Like yeah. she and the lady who fights for the right to wander should team up yeah. and just pester people. <laughs> she does not hold back.
0: And one of the actors turns around, and it's Inspector Valentine from Father Brown.
1: Yes. (laughs) That's Jeff Rogers, who's the builder. Yep. His name is, the actor's name is Hugo Spear. Yep. Yeah, and he's the bent jerry builder. Do you know where that comes from? No. Um, So it's it's a term from the late 1800s. And it basically just means that it's somebody who's kind of a speculating builder, who's more into getting the upfront money and then delivering something cheap. But there's quite a bit of controversy about where the Jerry comes from, but it's not a reference to Germany. Hmm. That's the only definitive thing in the OED is it's not a reference to Germany. Did you
0: notice how much ADR there is in this episode?
1: What's ADR, Mark?
0: ADR, as we go to Greenland, is additional dialogue recording.
1: So it's voice recording recorded later in a studio because the audio from the filming isn't good enough. Yes. Or the dialogue has changed. Yes. So so for instance,
0: when Barnaby and Joyce drive up to the house, they're talking Mm -hmm. and we can hear them talking.
1: Even though we're outside the car across the grass. And their lips are not moving. Oh! Well, you know, sometimes we talk to each other with our eyes. Like, you know what I'm saying.
0: No, no, they're saying words. Oh,
1: okay, okay.
0: There just seemed to be a lot of ADR in this episode.
1: There's all this kerfuffle about Swanscombe House. I think it's beautiful. I would live there easy.
0: We are different types of people, okay? So... You and I would live in that house in an instant, but well, I understand why somebody might not like
1: it. I would live in Clifford's house too. His Edwardian that he exactly. hates. I would live there and be well, very happy. Well, it'd it's have beautiful. to get cleaned
0: up like every other well, freaking house in this place. The,
1: the reason why I don't understand why they're all, all so up in arms about this house is that it's not in the village. If it was like on the main thoroughfare of the village, I would understand. It no. would stick out. But it's like out in a little pasture prairie area Plus, it's my house i can decide what it looks like well it's on my way well you know no you can't (laughs) you think we can just do what we want to with our house did you don't even have an hoa in our neighborhood and we can't do whatever we want to did you notice when they showed the credits that they
0: had a wide wide angle on that house so that the piano is easily 11 feet
1: long. The the still shots of the house during the credits are very much a someone allowed us to film in this beautiful house and in exchange we are going to show off this house. Yes. I mean it there it, it's a party, the house is full of people and yet we get these still frames very carefully angled frames of this house. I don't know what the purpose was there. There's some kind of deal made. I don't know.
0: But, but they are all with a super wide angle lens so that c- that piano that's in the foreground looks 11 feet long.
1: Like the, it could be a grand piano. Like, they're longer than you think they are.
0: Oh, okay, no human's arms could reach
1: to <laughs> either side of this piano. It's not possible. Yeah, they're not longer not longer. It's a piano
0: way. for a, an (laughs) They
1: don't have more keys on them. I meant the body is deeper than it is. It's not wider. No, but
0: because it's the way it's shot, it it looks like it's as long. It's like twice the table that we're on.
1: Maureen gets into a fight with Swanscombe and Clifford. Yep. And thank goodness Major Walsh is there to break it up.
0: Because, you know.
1: He's been in the military. He's been in the military. He's got medals on his wall and stuff. Yes, he does. So, he can he break it up. was major. It really depends on how you say that. If you say Major David Walsh, that's one thing. But if you go Major David <laughs> Walsh, he's not a Major David Walsh. He's actually kind of a, a petite man.
0: Okay. In this particular part begins a long-running gag in this episode for me, which is, what does Liz have on now? <laughs> she has a cornucopia of horrible outfits.
1: But the first one... ...is by far the worst. It's a purple, roughly sleeveless jumpsuit with big hobo pockets. What is she wearing? I don't know. (laughs) And her hair, okay? And, And I'm not being sexist. I'm not holding women up to higher standards than I would hold men to. If a man had hair as bad as hers, I would be talking about it too. Her hair... Is bad. It's really bad. It sits on her head as if it's not hers, but it's not a wig.
0: I know you don't like her hair.
1: (laughs) I've been going on about her hair. Yeah. And I'm just going to, I'm going to tell the story. Okay. Okay. Because I'm going to explain why, why this hair bothers me so much. (laughs) It's a good story. (laughs) So when I look at Liz's hair, I think of... A bad wig, right? Like a cheap wig. Yep. Of a certain era, and where I saw these wigs the first time, it's like helmet bouffant, short pixie cut wig was at Kmart. Okay. okay. Now, if, you, if you're not from the U.S., you might not know Kmart is now gone, but it was this kind of low. It was it was the first Walmart, right? It yep. was this low price department store, yep. and they sold wigs there when i was a little kid right and they were all wigs from the eva gabor line of wigs (laughs) right none of them look like eva gabor's hair by the way no none of them they all look like little hairy helmets that look just like liz's hair you know what they look like because you've seen liz and this (laughs) this one time okay so this is the late 80s so i was a kid my sister who's older than me went to the mall and went to this really fancy, edgy hair salon and got this like really current haircut that was like, wow. It was super short on one side and the other side was like a chin length bob with a perm and they put like frosting in it. It was super edgy and hip and my sister was not, okay? (laughs) So she gets this haircut and she likes it at the mall, but when she gets home, she realizes... Her life is ruined. Half of her head is shaved and the other half is chin length. Yeah. And all she does is cry, cry and cry and cry. And my parents are like, okay, we can't glue the hair back on your head. What do you want? What will make you happy? What do you want us to shave the other side? Like what will make you happy? She also had laryngitis at the time. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So she's like 15. She's got this haircut that some people would have thought was super cool. Yep. But it was too edgy for her. Okay. At one
0: point in time, my head was shaved on one side.
1: She's got laryngitis. And my dad says, do you want a wig? <laughs> Will that make you happy? We'll get you a wig. Because they're just trying to a appease question her. question
0: you never ask a 15-year-old.
1: <laughs> Unless they've had chemo or alopecia or something like that. This was not a medical condition. This was bad taste. This was being persuaded by a beautician into liking something that wasn't you, okay? Fine. Do you want a wig? We'll buy you a wig. I don't care how much it is. If you'll just stop crying and get over this, we'll get you a wig. Yeah. So my sister got it into her head that, yes, that's what she wanted to do. She wanted a wig. But we had to find out where we could get a wig. And my parents weren't going to do it for her. Like, if you're the one who got the bad haircut, it's your problem to fix. We'll support you, but you got to take care of it. Yep. So she gets on the phone with this laryngitis. She talks like this, right? And she calls Kmart. And I'm standing right (laughs) next to her when she does this. I'm like, hello, Kmart, how can I help you? Kmart, do you have wigs? (laughs) (laughs) I started laughing so hard that she just hung up the phone. I was probably, I would have been like 10 and I was Losing it. I think you should have. I was running around the house going, Kmart, do you have wigs? Kmart, do you have wigs? <laughs> and I think she decided that me making fun of her was worse than the haircut, and so she got over it.
0: <laughs> wow. Poor Liz had to go through the same thing, apparently. Do you, do you
1: think that's why her hair looks that way? Because she got a bad haircut and had to go get a wig. <laughs> Kmart. Do you I'm have not wigs?
0: gonna I'm not gonna question Liz's hair, but I will
1: question her clothing tastes. Man, that jumper—it's more ruffle and pockets than anything. It's like a pirate pastel jumper. But she's supposed to be a hot tamale. Everybody's like, "Oh, this is so beautiful. She's so awesome." Like, oh, okay. Well, Even a boar wig ripple jumpsuit. I don't know. <laughs> See, this is before
0: we actually get young people in the sh- episodes. We do that with the new Barnaby.
1: Somebody in the casting office of, of these, uh, the first 13 seasons of Midsummer had a thing for women who have blue eyes and very short hair and wear a lot of blue eyeshadow. Yep. Because all of the most attractive women in Midsummer look yes, like that, according to the scripts. Yeah.
0: Maureen returns to the house. Now it's dark.
1: Yes and she's and supposed to be bringing some some evidence of something bad going on to Mr. Swanscombe.
0: Okay. No. But how how does Liz, who is the killer, know that she's going to be there?
1: I'm glad you asked that. Okay. Because Liz Gerard, the bewigged, beruffled killer in this episode, yes, is by far the most talented killer we have ever had in Midsummer because not only can she kill in lots of different ways, yes. but she's also Psychic. She's psychic and and has mind control abilities. Yeah.
0: What what I don't understand is they worked really hard to create the fame up job. They do a good job of framing people in yep. this episode. Red herring. Red herring.
1: Red herring. One, red herring, one red herring. thing leads
0: to another. One thing leads to another. It it would be easy to see this as this frame up job working. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand how she knows to go kill Maureen here.
1: I can only assume that. So Maureen is going to see Swanscombe because she has definitive proof of this setup that, that they're the doing. Major the major has stolen
0: from someone's house.
1: Yes. So the major stole it maybe from Liz's house no, or Liz's office. He said it's
0: from Jeff's house.
1: Okay. So Jeff has told Liz, they stole it from my house. So she knows that Maureen has it. I guess. Maybe.
0: And then- She stabs her with like, okay.
1: Okay. And so here's (laughs) the other thing. She's
0: she's also has no
1: fingerprints because. She wears gloves. She wears gloves here.
0: Here she wears gloves. But when she does the concrete, she has no gloves on.
1: Well, see, here's another one of her talents. Is sometimes she comes prepared with a method to kill somebody, but other times she just wings it. Just wings it. This time she just wings it. She doesn't know there's going to be a bin of recycling there. Nope. She doesn't know that, but you know, I guess she would have just strangled her with her bare hands if she hadn't found a bottle. I guess. Do you think a broken bottle would have gone through Maureen's jacket like that? I
0: don't think it would have. And also I don't think three jabs with the broken bottle would have done it. I think
1: if you push it in far enough and
0: you turn- but that doesn't happen.
1: Well, you don't know. Maybe she, she does. She jabs Maybe she jabs and, jabs, jabs and turns, jabs and turns, jabs, jabs and, and turns. turns. That would kind of shred your kidneys, I think. I would think so. That would be a bad way to die. It wouldn't be fast. It'd be bad. Speaking of red herrings. That's the kind of person Liz is. Yeah. Speaking
0: of red herrings, I was born here and my mother had a had me, but never said who the father was.
1: And I say that at a party.
0: His His father was named Red Herring.
1: Why would that come up? I mean, I know Maureen is adamant about wanting to preserve the village, but would you get personal like that? Oh, I don't. You know, stop doing those developments. Oh, and I know for a fact that your armpits smell bad. So there. Oh, that's going to change it. Personal attacks. That's going to change it.
0: Swanscombe did nothing wrong in
1: this episode. Nothing. He's a good guy. He is a good guy. He's the best guy. He is because you think that that Major Walsh is going to be the good guy, but no, he admits to breaking an integral. Yeah, Swanscombe literally does nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. All he wants is a house that works the way it's supposed to, and to run for office. Yeah. That's all he wants. Thinking that he's actually going to do something good for the village. He legitimately yes, thinks he that does the, the new think, development is going to be good. Yeah. He doesn't know about all these shenanigans nope. behind the scenes. He doesn't know any of that. Nope. He's not cheating on his wife. He's a good guy. Let's go to Aspen Manor for a little alone time. Oh, boy.
0: Liz shows up and gets undressed, and then Jeff shows
1: up. Do you think that's kind of sad, that she strips down and lays in bed waiting for him? I think that's kind of sad. I mean, by all means, set up a liaison. Say, I'll meet you at the house at at two for this, you know, rendezvous. But don't be naked and waiting. That's desperate.
0: What I think is weird is she says, I I was about to start without you.
1: (laughs) And what real estate agent puts satin sheets on the bed?
0: Well, it's in the it's in the, the suite that they show
1: off. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I get the impression that Jeff's wife is a lot older than him.
1: But I know you do, but she's not.
0: It, it just seems to me that he is.
1: They were clearly very much in love at one point. If not, why did they get the four foot by four foot picture of their giant faces together? Oh my God, that picture is huge. <laughs>
0: We have no four foot by four foot giant picture of us. Just in
1: case we forget what we look like, (laughs) we have that picture to remind us. So we find out that Swanscombe House has been, what's the word for when you graffiti something and do things? Vandalized. Yes. So we find out that Swanscombe House has been vandalized. The paint, I can't believe somebody just splashed paint on that house, on the woodwork and on the brick. I'm like, oh, that's a nice house. But that's a Photoshop job. That's going to have to be like sandblasted off and it's gonna look bad it's not real honey i know but then we find out that somebody's been flinging ball bearings with a catapult yes and i think like big roman catapult like at least like a wine flinging catapult
0: oh no oh no no.
1: it's just a little slingshot one bb at a time (laughs) (laughs) i'm thinking like a rain of BBs no, coming no. down.
0: <laughs> catapult is just a slingshot. I was so people.
1: disappointed though. Just imagine. Remember the the wine catapult? Imagine that that basket full of BBs. Now that coming at your house. Those ball bearings that would do some van damage. But no, it's Maureen. Well, actually it's Liz. Or no, it's Angela. With one BB at a time. So they go to
0: Maureen's house and they find this stuff. But did you notice that Barnaby just trashes the garage?
1: He's not that kind of copper. You don't just do that. Just throws stuff, like, stuff on the suitcase. floor. Empty suitcase. Empty suitcase. What is his problem? Also,
0: was the garage left open all night?
1: I think so. Wow. Well.
0: Somebody needs to shut that garage.
1: Well, they're all too busy blackmailing each other.
0: Yes. They go to the post office. My
1: husband left me. And Clifford's telling Jeff, like, you know, you better give me some money. You'd hate for people to find out, you know, about you and what's going on. Okay.
0: So we have Jeff the Builder, Mm -hmm. Clifford the Architect, Mm -hmm. and Swanscombe the Politician. Mm -hmm. But none of them are intelligent enough not to go up to a door that's broken. And the first thing they all do is bang on it. (laughs)
1: That's got to fix it. Like, isn't that what guys do? No! <laughs> they just beat on something until it works again? Okay. Many of the deaths in this episode are problematic. Let's just put that out there. They're problematic in really fun ways. One of the ways that that death, that door is problematic is that in reality... Neither Jeff or Clifford would know anything about how that door operates. No. Because they would have bought that door from the manufacturer who would have come and installed it, and they would call them and say, the door that you installed isn't working. Neither of them would try to fix it. Yes. Let's just put that out. And for the record, Norman Swanscombe has every right to be pissed off that that door doesn't work. It's a great big door in his house. It's a brand new house. house. In a brand new house, and it won't close. I would be upset if our back door didn't close.
0: I would be upset, too.
1: I would expect somebody to come and do something about it.
0: Clifford's house is the
1: home of tiny buildings. Clifford wears a shirt with blueprints on it. What is up with that shirt? <laughs> I'm I was an like, that's a bit on the no. Like he carries a T square in his pocket. I <laughs> I'm have an in architect. my
0: notes. I have in my notes. Guess what I do for a living.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Fiona is up smoking the doobies in the big house.
0: She is uh, a free spirit. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, uh, let's just say that.
1: She is who she is.
0: So so, Clifford doesn't answer the door because he's upstairs calling about the burglary.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wouldn't he be downstairs? I would be. Yeah, I certainly would be. And he mentions Ludwig Miles oh. Van der Rohe here. Yes. Who said God is in the
1: details. That's yes. why he comes up. He was
0: also the last director of Bauhaus. Mm-hmm. Uh. Which Bauhaus is a, like a art collective in Germany. He
1: designed some amazing yep. houses. Like Frank Lloyd Wright did the kind of prairie style. Yeah, and Van der Rohe did the like streamlined, almost like modern atomic. Sort yeah, of like style.
0: I I would say that most people probably think Van der Rohe houses when they think of Frank Lloyd Wright.
1: Yeah, but without all the woodwork. Yeah, and it's like, not wood.
0: Not the little... It's concrete and glass. There's maybe.
1: no arts and crafts no, in Van Der Rohe. No. It's like the same shapes, but stripped down. Yep. He also said he was a great guy for quotes. He was a German, yep. um, but spoke English very well and spent a lot of time in England and in America. And
0: well, left Germany because of that little Nazi problem. Yeah, that yeah, he happened.
1: got out. Um, but he actually in, admitted that he enjoyed saying things that people would write down it was like he did he liked to be pithy yes he said oh what else did he say less is more less is more that's him yep that's him my favorite though is he said i don't want to be interesting i want to be good oh i like that Yep, yeah, that's good i like to be good and interesting Yep, that's the best i think but that's my opinion
0: okay town meeting number one Oh, boy. Yell, 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 scream, 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 yell, yell, yell.
1: The Pelfastate is a bait and switch.
0: I got to say that the major has this election sewn up. Like, everybody's cheering for him. Yeah. And nobody's cheering for Swansko.
1: Though, he should get his butt sued. For libel? Yeah. He's got no evidence for any of this stuff. No. Salami
0: tactics.
1: (laughs) When he said that, I'm like, I'm writing that down. Yep. Mm.
0: So salami tactics, also known as the salami slice strategy Mm -hmm. or salami attacks, is a divide and conquer process of threats and alliances used to overcome a. Opposition. I, okay. At first, I have to admit, I was like, "Is that slightly Italian racist?" There. Yeah, because it's salami. And then I was like, "No,
1: Mark, you're slightly Italian because <laughs> you thought it was. You thought it was. It's just divide and conquer. It's
0: actually Hungarian. Did you read mm-hmm. that? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, but it's Joyce. It's not a um a common saying.
0: Joyce is voting for Walsh.
1: Vo- <sighs> Joyce lives in What? <laughs> Joyce can't vote in PELF, especially not great PELF. No. Why is she even involved?
0: I do not know.
1: I know why they went there in the first place. I know why Tom is still there. But why is Joyce there wearing her ribbon? And what campaign can afford to give away ribbons like that? Those cost like five bucks a piece. You get a sticker. Yeah. (laughs) That's the best you can get. But Walsh is like using his inkjet copier to print little flyers and stuff. I'm gonna make 25 more copies. I love when Walsh and Angela and Swanscombe and his wife are putting the flyers in the mail slots, and they cross paths. Oh, we'll talk about that. <laughs> I just, but I just love that like small town politics tactics going on. Like, yeah, you can't <laughs> do that. That is legal, illegal. It is here. Yeah, I don't know if it is there. No, you can't do that. And then she just drops it on their porch. Yeah. That- we want a clean, perfect village.
0: Here's some trash.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. And then James Otley. Okay. He's a vet. He's yes. played by a known actor. No. he He's a victim. He is a victim of Liz. Yes. But he is head of the planning committee. He's the leader of the posse. Yep. And doesn't know that everybody else in the posse is taking bribes and doing a big bait and switch. I really don't think he's hes not part of it. He doesn't know about it. No. Which means he's a bad head of the planning committee. He's
0: just so infatuated with Liz. I don't understand why, but. Well,
1: not for long.
0: He's an interesting guy. He's done scuba.
1: <laughs> we'll talk about his fish in a minute.
0: Fresh baked pizza. Okay. First of all,
1: Linda Marlowe is 71 years old when this episode is made. Okay. She 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 is 71. I'm all about women doing it for themselves and older women feeling pretty and sexy and getting what they want. But that pizza boy is like 19.
0: Come on in. Let's play some porn music and get high.
1: How much is that pizza? (laughs) And does he get his money's worth? I hope he does. He seems to be uh, okay. He's pretty happy. Yep. But he is the mom, mom, I got a part. Yep. In this episode, right? Don't worry, it's just the filth. His name is Ned Darrington. Hey, Ned, you got a part in Midsummer. This was his first part. Uh, he according did. According to IMDb. Yep. He gets to play the pizza boy and pretend that he had sex with a woman more than three times his age. That's what he does. <laughs> What's the part, Ned? What do you get to do? Well, I'm I'm a pizza guy and I get to drive a scooter and wear a helmet and then um, I have to pretend that I had sex with grandma. Yep. Oh!
0: While getting high.
1: But it's on Midsummer. Oh, okay. Okay. That's a, the good, first
0: that's a good career move, honey. For Barnaby, I'm permanently
1: available. Oh. <laughs> get your Eva Gabor wig out of here. Well, then Liz.
0: then, and I cannot believe this. This is a artifact of its time. Liz says that she's permanently available for Barnaby because that horse and the ketamine and all that stuff. And then she walks to her car and Otley, Jones, and Barnaby all stare at her ass as she walks to her car.
1: She is wearing riding pants. She is. They are flattering to the butt. Yes. Not so much to the hips and thighs. Nope. But they are flattering to the ass. Yes. And from the back, her hair is not that hideous. <laughs> so maybe that's her better side.
0: I can't believe that they do that.
1: It's pretty skeezy. It's skeezy. I expect more from Jones and Barnaby. I
0: used to do a lot of scuba.
1: Can I tell you about Irukandji jellyfish?
0: No, not yet. We'll okay. there.
1: You wait. I got...
0: Because first we have to have Clifford.
1: Oh, that's right. Clifford's got to get killed by the door. (laughs)
0: Before he gets killed by the door, he has to look at his keys for a long, long time. It's
1: long enough for us to read it. Now, how long do you think your architect would keep keys to your house once it's built? No, you can't just willy-nilly walk into my house. And by the way, the back door won't shut anyway, so just walk around.
0: (laughs) Somebody must be
1: burning leaves. Who's who's the drug dealer in great pelf?
0: I don't know, but she's going to leave so fast She can't see her arse for dust <laughs> She's got so many great lines Fiona
1: is fun Yeah Once I got over hating her for a reason that was not relevant to this episode <laughs> I was like, wow, she's fun
0: And she says Angela's on the other bus
1: Yeah and then Jones is like, "Can you explain that to my boss, please? Because I don't know what you're talking about."
0: <laughs> no, I think Jones knows. I don't think he thinks Barnaby. Knows.
1: I think Barnaby knows. I think Jones thinks Barnaby doesn't know. Yes, I think that's Grandpa won't understand what you just said.
0: Meanwhile, Killer Door. This Ugh. is we're, we're we're prepping for this episode, and I'm I watch the episode early, and I say to sarah it's the one with the killer house and she's like what
1: that's electric vendetta i'm like
0: no the one where the door kills the guy and she, you were like there is no that. episode where a door and kills a and then guy.
1: i remembered like oh yeah the sliding door of death that's right none of this is possible Well, it is because Liz is the most talented murderer in Midsummer,
0: And that's the most powerful door ever.
1: Yes. Okay. Because not only does she psychically know that Clifford's going there. (laughs) How does she know he's...
0: Swanscombe goes to drop his wife off at the... Train station. Train station, which is 15 minutes away and back. She is half an hour. She is pinpoint in there.
1: She's already in the house. Waiting for him How? I don't know I don't know Then she psychically knows that he's going to go outside and stick his head in Which is super dumb How does that help him fix the door? I don't know Having his head in it I don't know At most he'd have his arm in it Never mind the fact that a door like this would have more than one system to keep it from closing on somebody It would have a safety system on it But she has figured out how to disable that
0: our car has more safety precautions than this.
1: Our garage door has yes. more safety precautions than this. If the lasers on our garage door get out of line, yeah. the door stops working. Yes. It doesn't just shut on people. No. It stops, <laughs> which is what this door would do. Yeah. So she knows, I can understand why she knows where the circuit box is. Yes. She's on the committee. Okay. She reviewed the blueprints. I get it. She knows where that it is. It might be okay. labeled. She can have that. But she cannot have the immediate ability to hack an automated door. No one? That wouldn't be in the plans.
0: No human being in the world has ever gone to their circuit breaker box and flicked the correct circuit breaker the first time. No. Like the lights should go on and off
1: I don't care how well they're labeled. Somebody will label one wrong. Yes. Or the one that controls the door also turns the lights off.
0: Clifford has bigger problems than being dead. (laughs) What? Jones goes to
1: his car. Oh, his car's messy. It makes you upset. His car is so messy. (laughs) (laughs) They go back to the chop shop. The cop shop. Yeah.
0: Okay. And my biggest problem with the episode
1: happened. Oh, is this Stevens being a computer whiz?
0: No. Oh, okay. By the way, they use Enhance on pictures quite a bit in this
1: episode. In Windows Picture Viewer. Yes. How does that work? Windows Picture Viewer. My Photoshop doesn't even do what her Windows Picture Viewer (laughs) does. Okay, S- Clifford phones Swanscombe, Mm-hmm. leaves him a message, okay?
0: They're at the cop shop, mm-hmm. and they say they have Clifford's phone, mm-hmm. and they listen to the message that he left Swanscomb. Yeah. That's not how phone messaging works.
1: No, that's not how answering machine works. It doesn't no. record the message you leave for somebody else. No. Their machine records it, and they didn't, they didn't confiscate Swanscombe's voicemail machine. Isn't it convenient that it's a machine? Yes. That people are still using voicemail. So do you think
0: the major wears the clava and the gloves and Liz copied that to frame him or that he did it? Or he's just the most unlucky person in the world?
1: I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that two people independently thought a black balaclava and gloves were good when you're doing things to break the law. Okay. Tell me I'm wrong. Okay. I, I I think it's possible that they simultaneously thought that covering their face and hands would be a good thing. Maybe. Now, breaking into somebody's house while they're home? Super dumb. But that's what Walsh does all the time. Because he's on secret maneuvers or something.
0: She must have been so pleased when she yes. found out that. Because she just locks the door and calls 999. She locks him in. Which is the number one thing that we always say. Like, why don't you just lock the door and call 999
1: lock yourself in yeah she locks him in she which is fine too that he's, works it's so smart in certain parts mm-hmm. of this
0: because now he looks so guilty because he is
1: a breaking and entering <laughs> but everybody's he looks house. guilty of everything else too like okay walsh be smarter uh. Okay, if you're gonna break into like Clifford's house while he's home and look for evidence, don't trash the place. Quietly look around. Just look around. If you if you do that and you don't trash it, he won't even know you were there. It's messy already. But no, he's gotta throw blueprints everywhere.
0: (laughs) They got on his shirt. evidence of professional wickedness.
1: So then Jeff's in the car full of concrete and George says I could have been a brain surgeon. He's He's like this is bullshit. Well, Why do I have to do Cuz he
0: has a hammer and a uh, and a like a chisel. A, a chisel.
1: <laughs> He's like, this place is redonkulous. I'm chiseling a man out of the concrete.
0: That is one of the best lines. I <laughs>
1: could have been a brain sergeant. That could have been a brain sergeant. <laughs> Barnaby's like, yeah, no, you couldn't. Yeah, how would have that worked out? <laughs> Walsh admits that he's been breaking in. He calls it his covert actions.
0: That would be such a horrible way to die.
1: Yeah, because you'd slowly suffocate. You'd be trying to breathe. <laughs> And not be able to expand your lungs, it would be bad. Very, very bad.
0: Again, they they drop the affair on Liz that she's having with Jeff. Mm-hmm. She's like, she does such a great job of making herself look sympathetic. He
1: was a little bit dangerous, and I found that attractive. I know I'm stupid. I shouldn't have done that. Can I tell you about concrete mixers? Yes. Because not only is Liz psychic. Able to shred Maureen's kidneys with a single bottle. Able to manipulate home automation and turn off safety mechanisms. But she also knows all about concrete mixers. So I wondered, how hard is it to operate a concrete mixer? Well, first first of all. Could she have figured it out
0: in the dark? That thing has to stay turning or the concrete forms... Like go solid.
1: Let me tell you.
0: Okay, go go on. Go
1: on. Because I watched an eleven minute video on (laughs) YouTube. (laughs) By a guy named Mr. John. How many views did Mr. John have? Oh, it had about 90,000 views. Wow. It was three years old, but it had about 90,000 views. Because it was an 11-minute video on how to use a concrete mixing truck. Oh, He explains it super well. That's cool. While holding his phone in one hand, the remote control for the truck in the other hand, and climbing a ladder on the side of the truck. And he doesn't drop his phone? No, but he scared the bejesus out of me. Okay. So what I learned, did you know that the barrel moves in both directions? No. If it's turning clockwise, it's mixing. If it turns counterclockwise, it's dispensing concrete. Oh. Because there's like a screw inside, right? Oh, okay. That works to mix it and pushes it towards the back if it's going clockwise.
0: Because like when you see them driving down the road... They're turning. It's
1: turning to keep it mixing so that it doesn't set up, right? Because if it's being agitated, it doesn't set up. But when you reverse the rotation, that screw then conveys it up to the top and out the chute. Yeah. You can only keep concrete that has water in it. Now, you can put concrete mix in those trucks and keep it there forever.
0: Well, it's just dust.
1: But there's a big water tank on the side and a hose that runs up to the top of the hopper. Mr. John showed me this. Okay. Okay. And when you turn we'll it on. We'll put
0: Mr. John's video in the yeah. show notes.
1: And the hose, it actually splits into three pieces. Oh. There's one big hose that goes up to put water in the hopper. Yeah. Then there's two hoses, one to spray the chute, because you got to keep the chute wet. It's got to be wet. So the concrete doesn't stick to it. Yeah. Yeah. And another one that you can use to spray down the back of the truck. Okay. So that it doesn't stick to the truck if it glops onto it or whatever. Of course. You just knock it off. Yeah. Mr. John showed me. So, if you turn it counterclockwise, it dispenses it out. Yeah. And it comes down the chute, right? Now, Mr. John, he's not in the video, but I assume he's a big guy because yeah. he runs a concrete and he can't be a tiny guy, right? Yep. He has trouble extending the chute. The chute folds up on itself. Yeah. And... There's no remote for extending the chute. You have to reach up and pull that big metal half a chute down, yeah, and then you can lock it into place. Okay. And he has trouble doing that. I was like, it's going to hit your head. It's going to hit your head. It's going to hit your head. It doesn't hit his head. That's good.
0: Okay. He is a professional.
1: But I don't think Liz could do it. No. Never mind. It's three hours. Once the water is in the mix, you have three hours. That's it. To get to where you're going and get that concrete out of the truck or it goes off. And if it goes off, it starts to, he said, the slump is too strong.
0: The slump is too strong.
1: Yes. You want it just the right slump. So it'll flow and stay where you put it. But if the slump is too strong, that means it's kind of starting to set up. Yeah. So. Because
0: there's a myth busters about that. Yeah. Where they try to, the myth is that if the concrete sets in the truck, could you blast it out with dynamite?
1: Without blowing up the truck, yes,
0: and they found that that was not the case.
1: No, Um, so what they do if, like, if they mix a batch in the back of the truck, they dispense what they need for the client, and and they mixed more than they need. They take it back to the yard where they keep all their stuff, and they do this thing called wind rows. So they dump the strong slump concrete. In like a long line. So they put the chute down and they drive real slow yep. and let it all go out in a big line, almost like a big speed bump. Yeah. And then when it dries and it sets up, they come along with a forklift and just knock it loose and then they recycle it. Yeah. They break it up and recycle it into gravel or whatever. Yeah. Right? So three hours. So how long has this truck been sitting there and was it turning when she got there? No. No. There's no way. No. The only way she could have done it is if the truck is full of dried cement mix, she dispenses the water, waits for it to mix up, which Mr. John takes about, says takes about 40 minutes to get it to key slump, (laughs) prime slump. Yes. So she would have had to done that. And then she would have had to maneuver the chute, extend the chute, put it in the window of the car. Now she does move the car to position it. So she does do that. And then she would have had to reverse the barrel to To put it to put it into dispensing mode and pour it into the truck.
0: We haven't talked about time in this episode, but (laughs) she manages to do that incredibly quickly.
1: It it would take a couple of hours.
0: Yeah, she managed to do it in about twenty minutes with
1: no prior. I mean, and maybe, maybe she got her job on the planning commission because she was a concrete construction person before. Maybe Maybe that's her prior experience. Maybe. But I don't think so. Can you drink ketamine? Is that how you take it? Having
0: never experienced ketamine.
1: I don't trust even incognito to search for that shit. I did not look that up. No. But she puts it in a flask and makes Jeff drink it. Liz magically knows what dosage to give Jeff to paralyze him without killing him immediately. Lots.
0: Lots. Why doesn't she just kill him immediately?
1: Why does she why does she fill the truck with concrete? Who's she trying to frame for that? Jeff's the construction guy. Is she trying to frame him for Only his own Jeff murder? could do
0: it. It's a suicide attempt.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I could have been a brain surgeon. <laughs> Poor George. Poor George.
0: <laughs> okay, post office lady gets a phone call. Angela. Angela. Her
1: store is full of the crappiest products ever, by the way. Yes. I don't know why you would ever go shopping in there. She has Curly Whirlies. Maybe maybe her candy is up to date. Everything on the shelves is like there's one of everything, and it looks like it's about 40 years old.
0: By the way, if you live in England— and want to send us Curly Whirlies, I would be a happy boy.
1: <laughs> Your favorite thing. They're
0: my favorite candy.
1: We can get like arrow bars here and stuff like that, yeah, but we can't, can't get, get Curly, curly Whirlies. whirlies. No. Nope.
0: Angela gets a phone call and it's implied that it's her lover.
1: Mm-hmm. So we're supposed to
0: think it's Walsh. Because there's a big picture of Walsh right behind her.
1: And she's been fluttering her eyelashes at Yeah. Her, even though she's on the other bus. She's on the other bus. So what does she do? She puts all the cash... In a suitcase and gets in the car and tries to make a run for it.
0: Okay. She doesn't even lock the door to the post office.
1: She is. Jones gets so upset with her. He's like, you can't do that. She doesn't put her seatbelt on. Yes. Well, you have to know if you run a post office in the UK. Yeah. There are lots of rules about that. Like you have to be bonded you are a government employee basically running your own store that has a store in it that the government owns. And yeah, you got to have coverage. You can't just close the post office.
0: So they bring her bags in and they open one of them and it's full of the monies. Yes. Right? Not the other bus stuff.
1: Right. <laughs> And then You they, mean it wasn't her gay suitcase? Yes. Then it was they, just the money suitcase. Okay. They,
0: they leave the post office and they go into the rest of the house. The back room. And I am like, oh my gosh, this <laughs> is
1: so messy. That is no way to live, Angela. Just boxes. Just dusty old boxes everywhere.
0: So she ends up having a copy of the documents. So now that we know the documents are real.
1: We know that the bait and switch on the PELF development is is, is going to happen. Yes, that it's an actual plan.
0: It's yes. time for another candidate meeting.
1: Well, and she admits that she's been playing a double bluff. Yeah. That she's not really on Team Walsh. No. She's on Team Jeff. Yes. For the PELF development team. Because she says... Jeff is paying her. Right. To act like the conservation team is out of control.
0: Which is what makes her behavior in the election scene okay.
1: It explains it. Yeah. It doesn't make it okay. Yes. It's still libelous. Yes. But it explains it. Then we have, yes, we have the next meeting. Now, the lady who sits between the candidates, the council officer, she's credited as... She's a saint. She is a saint. She's played by a woman named Maricia Frank. Okay, and she does a very good job.
0: Walsh gets up and goes. Three people are dead. This is grave events. You know, you sh- these doc- documents vindicate me. And then Swanson gets up and is basically, I'm as shocked as you are. Yeah,
1: and I'll make sure that these people get just come to justice. Yeah. I think this council officer does a better job than the Rev. Sues at running a meeting.
0: Well, and certainly better than the other meeting where remember that teenagers show up drunk for yes. Garden of Death.
1: Yes, because they've been drinking the Rumpy Pumpy. John Barnaby Slumpy. Yeah, before scrumpy. he was scrumpy before he was before he was John Barnaby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then poor Otley wakes up covered in scratches and doesn't know what happened to him.
0: A massive bung.
1: And we find out that Fiona gave Swanscombe the land for free for Swanscombe House because they're half siblings. Yes. See, they're not having an affair. Swanscombe is a good guy.
0: Yes. They call it a payroll vote. Do you know what a payroll vote no. is? Payroll vote is a term for British parliamentary system for members of parliament who are concurrently hold government positions. It includes ministers and parliamentary private secretaries.
1: Does that mean that you already have a government job and you're running for office, or does it mean that you're running for office that has a salary?
0: It it means that you're going to run for office and get this government job, usually.
1: The office has a job attached to it. I see.
0: The minister's... Are all members of parliament also.
1: Mm, Okay. So So now we know that Liz has another secret talent. She's also um, kind of a, a veterinary savant. Yes. Because while her horse was having surgery and Otley left for three minutes to get a splint from his car, she bypassed an IV drip going to the horse to siphon off ketamine. Enough
0: ketamine to kill
1: Jeff. And- and knew that she wanted to do it, and brought some kind of receptacle to hold it in.
0: Yeah, she's a smarty pants. Those riding
1: pants—they're <laughs> smart. Yes, the guys think they're smart when they're looking at them. Now, can I talk about the jellyfish? Yes, now is
0: time to talk about.
1: <laughs> Otley is so dumb. He thinks that she's seducing him and she's so transparent like I know that we've just been kissing but tell me all about this jellyfish yeah exactly like exactly like she might it. as
0: well be twirling her mustache she's so so evil in this
1: scene and you can't pass that off as pillow talk no like it's not like oh it turns me on to hear about your jellyfish It's like she just stops everything and says tell me exactly how this toxin works. And, and 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 what you do and how and how do you administer it and, yeah. and how do you get it? Like no. come on, he's gotta know.
0: So he mentions two different toxins there a jellyfish and an octopus.
1: A, an octopus. Boy, oh boy. See now this is when we need Ben Sorensen, the Aussie on the okay. podcast right okay. now because he lives in the land of killer things. Yes, he including does. this jellyfish and this octopus. Hi Ben, by the way. Hi Ben. So the octopus Let's talk about the blue ring octopus okay. first. Okay? okay. Their golf ball size. Okay. They're tiny. And their venom is a thousand times more powerful than cyanide. Jesus. One blue ring octopus has enough venom in it to kill 26 human adults. Oh my gosh. At one time. Like not over its lifespan at once, it, it, like right now, one octopus has enough venom in it to kill 26 people. And they bite you. They have a beak, yep. right? So the way these jellyfish use this toxin. Okay, hold, is this the octopus or the jellyfish? I'm sorry, the octopus. Yep. Let's talk octopus. The octopus has a beak, yep. right? A little tiny, tiny beak because the whole octopus is a golf ball. Yep. They're tiny, tiny. Yep. So the way they use it is they catch like shellfish, like a tiny crab, right? Yep. And they use their little beak. To bite a little hole in its shell, and they put the toxin in there, and it paralyzes the crab. Okay. And then they eat it, nom, 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 yep. right, right through its shell. Okay. That's what they use it for. That makes
0: sense evolutionary.
1: Yes. They're tiny, and they're not aggressive. No. They don't like people. They're not hanging out. Right? Good. <laughs> Unless they're eating or breeding, they hide.
0: Okay. That's good.
1: So you have to like antagonize them for them to bite you pretty yeah. much or stick your toe under the rock where they are or something. Yeah. But their beaks are so small that you don't even feel them bite you. Oh. And you'll be dead in 30 minutes if you're not intubated. Because wow. all of the muscles that make uh, your lungs inflate and deflate are paralyzed and numb in wow. less than 20 minutes. And you have no idea that happens. And you don't know why because you don't feel it. It just you just don't. Is there an antitoxin? No, there's no antitoxin for it. The only way to survive it is to be intubated.
0: And then eventually Long enough for it
1: to wear off. Wow. If they can manually inflate your lungs for you until your body processes the toxin and they flush it out with saline IVs.
0: I got to say being a lifeguard in Australia is a different thing.
1: It's got to be an active job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you happen to see a, a little a little th- a blue rings? on. No? You didn't see that? Oh, okay. Um Did you see something with eight legs that was kind of hairy? No. um How about a thing that looked like a tiny plastic bag? Did you see that? No? Oh, he's dead. <laughs> so, Otley has this little tank. Yes. With a jellyfish in it. Yes. First of all, that jellyfish is not going to survive in that tank. No. Jellyfish are notoriously difficult to keep in captivity. Yes. They don't like it. They die. Yeah. And the jellyfish in that tank is about ten times larger than that jellyfish actually is. Okay. And, and this is
0: the subtitle of this episode is Small Things That Kill You.
1: Oh man. The irukandi jellyfish is a centimeter cubed. Oh, it's at full tiny, size. Tiny. Tiny. And it can kill you. Oh. It's venom is so, it's toxic and it's so strong that they call it Irukandi syndrome. Like they have a name for what happens to you after you are bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Stung. Sorry, not bit. They don't have teeth. Thank God they don't have teeth. Wow. All you need is jellyfish with teeth. Jesus. (laughs) The, The syndrome is characterized by vomiting, headache, anxiety, cramping and a feeling of impending doom. Oh. People who get stung by these jellyfish commonly beg doctors to kill them. Oh. And that's not because they're just in so much pain. They get this sense of doom. It somehow plays with your neural th- balance and makes you feel as if something horribly bad is going to happen and that death would be better. Wow. And People remember that after they, if they make it through it, if they survive, they remember that feeling. They oh. don't, the, your, your brain kind of blocks out the pain, like childbirth. Yep. You don't remember how much it hurts, yeah. but they remember that. Oh. That's like, that's just an extra little bit of evil, Yeah. Right? Okay. So let me tell you about what this is like. Okay. Okay. This is what Liz was going to do to Swanscombe. Yes. Cause she spikes his drink. With this toxin. Yeah. Okay. It gives you incredible lower back pain that is similar to an electric drill driving into your back. Oh. Relentless nausea and vomiting. You throw up every minute to two minutes for 12 hours. Oh. Like, it's just constant. Body cramps all over. Yeah. You sweat so much that they have to change the sheets on the hospital bed every 15 minutes. Oof. so you become incredibly dehydrated, too. Yeah, it makes you feel like you can't catch your breath. And but yet gives you this weird, like restlessness, like muscle restlessness, so that you feel like you can't stop moving. But every time you do, it's torture. How many
0: people die from this in a year?
1: Not that many. OK, good. Not that many. But here's the best thing I learned. OK, <laughs> the, the best thing. OK, two best things. OK. The Irukandi syndrome got its name in the 1950s because there's an indigenous tribe somewhere in Queensland, Australia, that uh, researchers were looking at because they suffered from these weird symptoms. But since you don't feel the sting, you don't know that's what caused it. Right. Yeah. So these are people who are in the water every day. Yeah. And sometimes 30 to 45 minutes later. Oh. They have this onset of symptoms, so it's hard to even associate it with what caused yeah. it, right? So these researchers are looking at this tribe and this weird this weird syndrome that they get, trying to figure out what, what is hurting these people, and they realize that it's the jellyfish. Now, the way they tested it is this super insane researcher named Jack Barnes okay. captured a couple of these jellyfish, right? Because okay. he thought he figured it out. And what did he do to test it? Tested it on himself. Oh, not just on himself, on a lifeguard who was in his 20s and on his 9-year-old son. Okay, that crosses a line. The the article I read about this said if Barnes got his pa- his paper passed an IRB, it's probably best that we don't know how. <laughs> And if you're not a researcher and you don't know what the IRB is, it's the Human Subject Board Review. So when you're going to do a study that involves other people, you have to put it through the IRB for ethics to sh- to say, this is what I'm going to do to these people. Here's how I'm going to tell them what's going to happen. Here's how I'm protecting them from the study, how they're going to be gonna debriefed have from it. Yeah. And here's how they will be paid or rewarded in some way. And here's how we're going to um, resolve any conflicts or any result. This is how I'm going to
0: scar my child. Yes.
1: No, no. He just stuck it on his nine-year-old son and on a a young, a robust young lifesaver, he called him. Um, But recently... Five years ago, this group of researchers in Australia figured out... Because what they need to do to come up with an antitoxin for this is they need to study the toxin, right? But it's incredibly difficult to get. Yeah. Because the jellyfish are super small, and you can't keep them in captivity. They won't live. They die. Okay. So you have to find a way to milk them. Oh. That's what they call it. Okay. Milking them.
0: Well, obviously, James Otley knows how to do this.
1: (laughs) Apparently... I don't know how, because it wasn't until 2015 they figured out if you dip these things in ethanol, they just shoot all their toxin out.
0: Oh. (laughs) Luckily, Liz is there with a container.
1: Well, I had to read an article from the journal Toxins to learn about this, the article name. Firing the Sting, chemically induced discharge of Synoday reveals novel proteins and peptides From box jellyfish with exposure to ethanol. I read the abstract. (laughs) I understand. You you
0: were the only one who read the abstract. I
1: understand that they grab them and they dip their little tentacles in the ethanol and it makes them just shoot it all out. And then they separate it from the ethanol. Okay. (laughs) Wow. So I guess Otley...
0: Just has this lying around.
1: He must be friends with the jellyfish and just pick them up and just like gently squeeze it out of them or something. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, and it also doesn't keep.
0: Oh, I'm sure it doesn't.
1: So when he's saying that he was doing this to find out if it was a, a... a better way to euthanize animals? Yeah. Okay, first of all, no. he would be a very <laughs> cruel person, right? If that's the way, Even a massive dose would be misery until they died. Go to sleep gently or agonizing pain. Vomit every minute for 24 hours and uh-huh. then die. But he also couldn't have it on hand. No. So Liz, in her mastery of everything also has just miraculously learned how to milk a jellyfish.
0: Did she write this paper that you read?
1: <laughs> I don't know. If she did, she did it um, out of time because this was after they learned about the ethanol thing after this this uh, episode was filmed. Yeah. So no. Not possible. And now you know all about the irukandi jellyfish because so, that's going to be a uh, cocktail party ammunition at some yeah. point, I'm sure. It's election day.
0: Yeah. Now, they do elections differently in the U.K., and small elections are like this.
1: Yeah. Small elections are like this in lots of places, not just in the U.K. Yep. Paper ballots. Paper ballots.
0: Counted counted in front front of of everybody. everybody. In front of everybody.
1: Two little ladies unfolding them. Yep. One for Walsh. Yep. Put it in that stack, right? But, But- Swanson gets a phone call. He's going to go talk to Liz. I need to talk to you in person right now. And I'm so stressed out. I need to have a drink. Why don't they call Gail and tell her to stop this? I wondered the same thing. Because she's she's there at the election. She's the last up the stairs. But Jones and Barnaby aren't. They could call her and say, stop her. Yeah, She's going to try to kill him.
0: But no, we get action Jones.
1: Yeah. Taking four steps at a time.
0: Jones- Four steps at a time, runs into the room. Tackles Swanscombe. Tackles Swanscombe. And then then
1: Liz throws her drink at Barnaby. Which could kill him. Could kill him. If this toxin gets in your eye, yep. you're done. If it gets in your mouth or your nose, you're done. And then she tries to escape. Where does she think <laughs> she's going to go? I wonder that every time a bad guy runs. Yeah. Like, are you really giving up everything in your life right now because if you stop running, they will catch you. So you can't go home and pack your bag. You're gone. So On foot forever. No. Who, who is the real evil here? Um besides the killer, Liz's paymasters, Jeff and Clifford. Cuz she she I guess. Th- it's no, you know what? It's Big Grocery.
0: Yeah, it's Big Grocery.
1: They're always evil in Midsummer. By
0: the way, Liz is by.
1: Or she fakes it. She pretends to be. Like, just dropped out of nowhere. She and Angela are yeah. going to run away together. Yeah. No, I think Liz is whatever she needs to be to get what she wants. Walsh wins the
0: election, though he's going to jail.
1: Mm, nah. He's a, he's a decorated military veteran who was trying to find evidence of wrongdoing. And the people who he, who he stole from are dead. I think he's fine. It's what Maureen would have wanted. <laughs> yeah, because that's what's important. Now that everybody's dead. <laughs> okay. So just to be clear, Liz knows how to remove the safety from sliding doors. Yes. And bypass the electronics.
0: Magically knows when Maureen's going to be there. She
1: knows how to operate a concrete truck. Yep. She knows how to extract venom from a jellyfish. Yep. And how to dose somebody with ketamine. Yep. By bypassing an animal IV. And magically knows where everybody's going to be before they're there.
0: She also has the power to seduce both men and women. And wear a roughly
1: jumpsuit. Yes.
0: Best corpse? We did mom, mom. Yeah.
1: Best corpse. Nice corpse. We have Maureen, Clifford, and Jeff to choose from. I'm going to go
0: with Jeff. Because I tried to figure out how they did
1: that. It's not concrete. It's styrofoam. Yeah. That's how they did it.
0: But he, it's pretty tight to his chest. He's not breathing. Well,
1: and he does have some kind of gunk on his jeans when they've got him laying on the ground. Yeah. Like his legs look like they're encased in something. (laughs) Yeah. And George is going at him with a hammer and a chisel. (laughs) I'm going to give it to Jeff, though. If only, I'm sorry, Clifford, because of his death scene. Because he has to die- Looking as if his head is holding him up. Yeah. He can't support his weight on his arms. No. That would be a tough position to be in. You imagine being on your knees bent over as if you're on all fours, but you're not you're not relying on your arms. It's that's hard. It's tough. I don't I couldn't do it. It may be the stupidest death though. It's super dumb, but he does a good job at faking it. Does a few little twitches and stuff. After the credits. The swan Scums are fine. Yes. With their new by the way, family of Fiona. By the way, there is a wife. Eleanor. Eleanor, who is a non-entity. She's becoming more and more bitter as the episode goes on because she thinks her husband is having an affair. And so yes. she's going to find out he's not and be very happy. Yeah. And he's eager to tell her because he knows it'll be a relief to her. Yeah. So that's nice. James Otley is like, he's scarred for life because of Liz. Yeah, because she used his ketamine and his jellyfish venom. Yeah. Liz goes to jail. Angela
0: probably goes to jail. David Walsh is now a member of Parliament. Fiona leaves with the dust and the arse. Yeah. Gemma Rogers
1: probably had life insurance on her husband. And they have a nice house. And clearly knew he was... She must have put up with some stuff for a while. Yeah, so... Pizza boy, maybe he goes off with Fiona. Maybe. His sugar mama. Sexy boots. And the council officer lives to officiate another village. Yes. Are you ready for bad movies? Bad movies. Bad movies. I got some. This movie is terrible. <laughs> I bet Mark's seen it. Horrible movies that Mark seen. Horrible movies that I bet Mark's seen that feature an actor from this episode of Midsummer. Yes. The first one, I don't expect that you've seen, but I just got to tell people about it. So I'm not even going to quiz you with it. Okay. Okay? It's called The Swordsman, and it's from 1974. Okay. And it stars Linda Marlowe, who plays Fiona in this episode. Oh, okay. The hippie up at the big house. Yeah. You have to know that The Swordsman is actually part two- It's a follow-up to a movie called The Big Zapper from 1973. Okay. It stars Linda Marlowe as a character named Harriet Zapper, who is a private eye. Oh. Okay. She's been hired to find the true heir of a big fortune. And so she has to go to the south of France into a hornet's nest of betrayal and death. And apparently a lot of sword fighting. Apparently. Okay. So the swordsman, a lot of people just think that's, that's the movie. And then they realize, oh no, it's part two. Yeah. It's just that part one, the big zapper was limited release because it was really bad. Oh. In the first one, the big zapper, she is also plays Harriet Zapper, the very dangerous woman, private eye. Yep. But she's got a Gatling gun. Oh. You know, the kind that you have to put on a little tripod and it has like a chain of bullets that go inside one and the other. So she she shoots a guy with a Gatlin gun while sword fighting another person who's sneaking up on her from behind. Oh. And so all the promotional materials for the movie are her sitting with her feet apart on either side of this Gatlin gun shooting at people.
0: Oh, and it's called the Big Zapper.
1: If you need the toughest, fastest, fastest, Deadliest private eye. The best man for the job is a woman. Oh, the big zapper. Watch out for her.
0: Put all that information <laughs> in the show notes.
1: And she, Linda Marlowe, Fiona, stars in both of these movies, and she is fantastic. Well, I'm sure. She, she looks is. about 20 years old. Yeah. She is in the prime. She's got the go go boots on, the little short skirts, great big guns. She fences. Nice. She's an ass kicker. Yep. But they're not very highly acclaimed movies No Okay But the bad movie that I think There's a chance you might have seen this Also has Linda Marlowe in it okay. Though she doesn't star in this one the same okay. way A spaceship crew uh, I'm sorry This is from 1965 Okay Okay It's black and white I'll give you that hint Okay You like black and white movies yep. I know you A spaceship crewman plots a mutiny Against the stern leader Taking a group of people To settle on a new planet from Earth Okay It's set in 2015. Oh. (laughs) Here's the
0: tagline. That far in the future.
1: Yeah. Here's the tagline. You know how they used to say, like, see this. Yeah. See this in the promos for old movies. Okay. See life in the 21st century. See the brain that lives without a body. Ooh. See humans frozen for rebirth in space. Ooh. And see the astronaut experiment that turns men into monsters. This is not this island Earth. No. The brain that lives without a body should be your clue because yeah. it's just a guy in, like, a barrel with his head poking out the top in a jar oh, over all right. it.
0: Okay, this is called Space Flight something. Yes. Yeah, I've space seen this. Space Flight
1: IC1, yes. an adventure in space. Yeah, I've seen this. It's set in
0: 2015. 2015 way in the future forty years five years
1: ago right because it was filmed in 1965 so 50 years yeah uh, they thought we were gonna be in space colonizing other planets
0: I thought I was gonna be in space by two thousand <laughs> man when I was a kid I was already like my lunar base address will be
1: yeah my my moon cruiser yep I'm impressed that you knew that one because yeah. that's a weird title. I
0: went through a bunch of sci-fi movies when
1: I was a kid. Spaceflight IC1. Yep. I'll also tell you about another movie, and um, I, I know you haven't seen this one, but Amanda Drew is in it. She plays Liz Gerard in okay. this episode. Um, it's a movie from 2012 called Elfie Hopkins Cannibal Hunter.
0: Why are we not watching this right now?
1: (laughs) It's about a girl in a little British village who thinks that she's kind of a detective. She's a teenager detective. Yeah. And a mysterious family moves into the neighborhood. Cannibals. Turns out they're killer cannibals and she's got to take them down. Nice. The way they get rid of people is they come to town, and they're very fancy people, right? And they tell all the villagers that they've been on all these adventures. They've traveled the world, and they're like, oh, you should go to Kenya. It's so amazing. You should go to China. It's so amazing. And so the villagers go, you know what? I should travel. I should go. I'm going to go. And so one by one, the villagers kind of leave the village, and they don't come back. But they're not going anywhere except into the tummies of this weird family who eat them! Eat them! Elfie Hopkins. It's on Amazon Prime. Excellent. And that is not in my backyard.
0: Okay. Nimby. You can find Midsummer Maniacs on Twitter, Instagram, and email at midsummermaniacsgmail.com. At we also post on the Facebook groups Midsummer and Acorn and the subreddit. And everywhere else, we find other
1: maniacs. This is, like I said, the penultimate Tom Barnaby, Joyce Barnaby episode. We only have one more to go. And then we have our Goodbye Barnaby's episode. And we still need your voicemails of your favorite moments of these 13 seasons. Yep.
0: Please send us your best Barnaby bits. If you're listening or watching on YouTube, feel free to like, subscribe, and hit that bell.
1: All right. So until next time, bye, maniacs. Fit for murder. (laughs) Bye, maniacs.
0: Bye, maniacs.
1: said that like you're reading it yeah i am
0: (laughs) (laughs) with it an aggressor can influence and eventually dominate the landscape typically
1: Typically political political piece by piece piece by piece we're reading the same thing we got the same definition